A very pleasant good morning to each one of you. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I would invite you to turn back to the passage that our brother Todd read for us a few moments ago in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is where we will be looking at from the Word of God this morning. Thank you for coming and being with us today. If you are visiting with us, as we have several visitors, it seems, we are certainly uh, thankful that you have chosen to come and to worship God with us here in this particular congregation upon this first day of the week to open up our hearts, to open our lips as we have been doing this morning in song and in prayer and to remember the great love, the eternal love that our God and Father has had for each one of us in sending His Son Jesus Christ here to this world to live like us, to be God with us, Emmanuel, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, to be our great Redeemer as we have already sung about today and to redeem us from our sins through his death upon the cross and our faith in him as our Lord and our Savior, and to reconcile us to God that we might be his children and that we might live in a way that pleases him. Uh, I hope that you were able to be with us last week. We had such a good uh, series of lessons, at least in my judgment, and I know that, that uh, for a variety of reasons that some of you were not able to uh, be with us, but if you were not able to be with us here in person. I hope you have had the opportunity to uh, watch Reagan's sermons online, or if you haven't had the opportunity to do that, that you can go back and look at those as they are archived on our uh, website and our YouTube channel and Facebook. Um, but I think he just did such a great job of, of tying all of that together and reminding us that we don't have to walk alone as Christians, that we God has called us all to be together, that he has called us to be a community of his believers, of his children, and that we have one another to call upon. And certainly those lessons, just because our meeting is over, those lessons should not go by the wayside in our minds or in our lives, but let's be continuing to think about those and meditate on those things that he brought to us from the word of God and see how we can make application in our lives Let's do as James instructs us to do in James chapter 1. Let's not just be hearers of the word, even good hearers of the word, but let us be those who are counted among the doers of God's word and live out those truths in our lives each day. It was such a blessing not only to listen to Reagan, but also to uh, see several of our young men and their participation in our worship as they do from week to week. Uh, but I was reminded even again this morning as Will was here leading our singing, uh, what uh, wonderful gifts God has given to this congregation and how much talent and ability so many of us have. And we ought to be using that at every opportunity that we have and especially among those who are younger in age, not just our young men, but our young ladies as well. And so those of us who are older, let us be noticing those things about those who are younger in the faith and let us take every opportunity that we have to encourage them uh, to continue. Uh, it has sometimes been said that those who are young in age and young in their walk with Jesus Christ are the future of the Lord's church. And I understand what people mean when they say that, but I kind of disagree with it a little bit. I believe that they are the church today. They are a part of God's church. And so we need to encourage and strengthen and admonish and teach those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, whatever age they might be. If you're a person who never forgets anything, if you're a person who never has a problem 
with remembering things. Kind of taking a page from Reagan's book last week. <laughs> raise your hand. Nobody's going to raise their hand. <laughs> We're all forgetful people, aren't we? Even things that are very important to us sometimes just have the tendency to slip our minds that, that we forget things that we ought to remember. And that is true of us as people, but that is also true of us as Christians. From time to time, those of us who follow Jesus Christ need reminders. We need to be people who remember. We need reminders from time to time of our former life, what we were like, what life was like for us before we made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. Sometimes we need reminders as his followers of our present life and be reminded of all the spiritual blessings that we now enjoy because we have entered into a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. But sometimes we also need reminders, I believe, of our future life and the eternal life that is awaiting us with him. Since we have a new brother and a new sister in Christ that we welcomed just a few days ago to the Lord's body as Reagan talked to us about Christ Church on, on Thursday night, I thought this would be a good time for all of us who are Christians, however long or short we have been a follower of Christ, to remind ourselves of the day that we made that decision to come and follow Jesus but not only to remind ourselves of that time in our life, but to remind ourselves of everyday sense and to look at our present life and to remind ourselves of what that means, what that decision, what that choice in our life means. That it wasn't just a one-time thing and then we're done with it, we're back to living how we want to live. But what that decision means for us now. To help us do that, I want us to turn our attention to the words of the Apostle Paul that our brother Todd has already read for us as we began our assembly this morning from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to be looking this morning at that section that he has read for us, verses 11 through the end of the chapter. As we ask this question this morning, do you remember? I was a little bit on edge uh, Thursday night when Reagan said, and I knew I'd already looked at his PowerPoints, that uh, he was going to preach on Christ Church from the book of Ephesians. But fortunately, he didn't touch chapter 2. I know Todd is, is talking and studying through the book of Ephesians in, in the Wednesday night class, and I don't know exactly where he is in his class. Maybe it's at this section. Uh, but I'm always reminded that we can look at sections of the Word of God, and we all look at it from different perspectives. We all, there's always multiple things that we can learn from that section. And so if you have been studying through this particular section, there may be some things that you already know, but this lesson is not to really introduce something that we don't know, but as the question is asking this morning, to remind ourselves of things hopefully that we know, but perhaps we have forgotten. The Apostle Paul begins here at verse 11 by saying, Therefore, remember. While Paul wrote these words, I realize specifically to Gentile saints here in the church at Ephesus, I believe they apply to all of us who are reading them and considering them this morning. Unless you are a Jew physically, I would say all of us fit into the category of being Gentiles physically. But even more so than that, at one point in our life, even if we are walking with Christ now, if we are Christians and saints and God's chosen holy ones, 
that at one point in our life, we were all Gentiles spiritually, we might can say. I believe Paul maybe even uses that kind of language here in this book of Ephesians when you come to chapter 4 and verse 17, as he is talking to us in this section, chapter 4, 5, and 6, about the practical implications or applications of the, the foundation, the groundwork that he has laid in chapters 1, 2, and 3 about how we are to walk from day to day as Christians. He encourages us there in chapter 4 and verse 17 to walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. We might say today to no longer walk like the world, to no longer live like the world, to stand out from our world. And so at one time, all of us were Gentiles, if you will, spiritually. We were not counted among God's chosen covenant people. Also, although Paul's teaching in this text has its primary application, as we will see here in a few moments, to the, the, the age-old problem, the, dec- the centuries-old problem uh, of there being enmity and strife between Jews and Gentiles and how, Paul, or how Christ rather reconciled both in one body to himself and to God, he is addressing a lot of these things in this text to Jews and Gentiles as races of people or classes of people I believe some of the truths that we're going to look at this morning apply to us as individuals as well. Since we were all once sinners, since we were all once without hope, since God has saved us in His Son, Jesus Christ, then Paul is calling upon, yes, specifically Gentiles, but also Jews here, and calling upon all of us today to remember. To remember our previous state of separation from God, to remember that that at one point in our life we were hopeless, to remember that at one point in our life we were in despair without God, but also to remember who we are now as God's children, as followers of His Son, to remember our present state of unity with God and reconciliation with God and peace with God, but not just those things with God, but also with one another because we are all a part of the body of Christ Jesus. So as we consider this question this morning, do you remember, I want us to think about four questions, four things that we need to remember that Paul is telling us, instructing us from this text that we all need to remember about ourselves. Number one, do you remember that you were separated from Christ? Verse 12, the Apostle Paul, as he continues this exhortation to the Gentiles specifically to remember, he says, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. The Gentiles to whom Paul is writing here at this particular point In the church at Ephesus, he reminds them that they were once without Christ or they were once separated from Christ, depending upon what translation you are reading from this morning. We know as we go back in our minds, as we go back to what we call the Old Testament, we know that it was God's design, I think even from eternity, to choose a people, that He would choose Israel out of all the peoples on the earth, not because they were such a great nation, not because in some way they deserved to be God's chosen people, but it was quite the opposite as you read through the Old Testament. You find that it was because they were a small people, because they were an insignificant people, because God could work His plan through them. He could show His might and His power through them. But God chose Israel out of all the peoples on earth to be His covenant people. And therefore, they had a connection to Christ. They were connected 
to Christ through the covenants of promise, the covenant that God originally made with Abraham, you might remember, and the covenant that was renewed with Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and on down, passed down through the centuries to those who would be from the physical lineage of Abraham. Gentiles did not have these connections as a people. They did not have these connections, and therefore, as Paul is reminding these Gentile Christians at verse 12, they were separate from Christ. They were without hope. They were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. They were strangers to the covenants of promise. Certainly, as you read through what we describe as the Old Testament, you can find pictures from time to time of God using those who were among His people to preach the good news about himself, to preach a message of repentance to those who were Gentiles. Those illustrations are all throughout the Old Testament. And so I don't believe Paul is saying here that, that Gentiles had absolutely uh, no hope of being saved, but they did not have the connection that Jews had because God had chosen the Jews, the Israelites, to be his special covenant people. Well, as we think about our own selves and our own lives, I think we would have to say that at one point in our lives, all of us were separated from Christ. There may, I'm sure, even be some in this audience this morning who are still in that particular spiritual state, that you are separated from Christ. You are without Christ. You have no hope. All of those promises are made available to you through Christ, but you have not yet made the decision to respond to God's mercy and grace as He shows it through His Son. But at one point, all of us were in this same condition that Paul is describing here. I want you to notice from the book of Colossians in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, uh, the Apostle Paul writes this after he has talked to us about uh, Jesus Christ and, and the supremacy, the preeminence that Jesus Christ has. He says in verse 21, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds... That, that describes all of us before we came to Christ. Even here in the book of Ephesians, as I have the passage up on the screen, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 2 beginning at verse 1. Before Paul gets to this section that we're considering today to remember who we were before we were Christians, he says, here is who you were, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2 and verse 1, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all lived, formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. The Apostle Paul begins this section here at the beginning of chapter 2 by saying that you, I think he's addressing specifically Gentile Christians, those who were not born Jews, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You formerly walked according to the course of this world. You were just counted among those who were sons of disobedience. But then he includes himself in Jews when he comes to verse 3, and he says, among them we too all formerly walked in the lust of our flesh. We, we were just like you. That's Paul, maybe a, a better place in the Scripture to, to see this very clearly is to go to the book of Romans, isn't it? And as Paul begins there by describing the, his, the, the culture, the environment in which he found himself living, the world in which he found himself in the first century, the Gentiles were involved in all kinds of things that were 
counted as wickedness and ungodliness. But then he says, all of us are under condemnation. All of us, Jew or Gentile, have sinned. And so that includes all of us. Remembering how miserable perhaps this kind of lifestyle is, and it may be hard for us if it has been a long time since we have lived that lifestyle, if we have been in Christ for a number of years or decades, it may be hard for us to recall those things, to remind ourselves of those things. But if we could go back in our mind to remember just how miserable we really were, I believe that will not only motivate us to not return to our former life when we are tempted to go back and let that old man of sin creep into our life again, but it will also, as Reagan pointed out to us last week, it will help us to empathize and sympathize with those who are still without Christ. As Paul is reminding these Christians here, and there are a lot of people, of course, that fall into that category. So the first admonition, the first encouragement here is to, for all of us to remember that at one time we were separated from Christ. But secondly, we need to remember that we are all now one with Christ if we are truly his followers and we are also one with those who are Christ's people. Going back to our text in Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 13, the apostle Paul changes and he says here, but now Yes, remember where you were formerly, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Before Jesus died on the cross, those who were Gentiles were far off from God. They were far off from God's people. Not the case that there wasn't a single Gentile that couldn't be saved. Again, we have examples of those through the Scriptures. But as a whole, they were far off from God. They were far off from God's chosen people. But when Jesus died upon the cross, when he shed his precious blood for all of us, he brought Jews and Gentiles near to God so that they could all be his chosen people. In fact, I believe the New Testament is very clear. You can think about Galatians chapter 3 as we'll look at here in just a moment. But when Jesus shed his blood upon the cross, his atoning blood brought all of us who have believed and all of us who have obeyed near to God through him. Through his death, as Paul continues speaking of here at verses 14 and 15, he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and broken down, broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it, having put to death the enmity. Now Paul reminds these Gentiles, yes, you were once separated from Christ, once you lived without Christ in your life, but now you are one with him. You have been joined to him. You have been brought near to God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But here is a benefit, that through his death, Jesus brought peace. And I believe Paul is describing peace at least on two different levels, but they are connected to one another. Number one, he says that when Jesus died upon the cross, that he brought peace between Jew and Gentile. He says he made both of those groups who were once separated, who were once hostile to one another, who were once at enmity with one another, he made both of those groups into one, or as the ESV says, that he made 
one new man in place of the two, that now they could be reconciled together. Now they could be joined together. They're no longer hostile to one another. Now they are united together in the body of Christ. And so Jesus brought peace between Jew and Gentile in his body. But secondly, he brought peace between each individual believer and God. He was able to make it possible for us to transform the old man into a new man. Not that we're somebody different on a physical level, but on a spiritual level. We are a new person. In his death, Christ put to death that which had become a barrier, that which was a dividing wall, that which was, had become enmity between Jew and Gentile. Not that there was anything per se wrong with the, what we refer to as the old law or the old covenant is from God. It was perfect. It was from his mind. But it had become that barrier, that wall that had been put up between Jew and Gentile. And in so doing, Jesus reconciled Jew and Gentile to one another in his body, but also individually, Jews and Gentiles that would believe in Jesus as the Christ to God. I want you to go to that passage for just a moment in the book of Galatians in chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 here, Paul describes it so beautifully. Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 26, he says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. And then from the book of Colossians, again, we looked at chapter 1 at verse 21. That's kind of the bad news to remind ourselves that at one point, all of us were alienated from God. All of us were hostile to God, at least in our minds. We were all enemies of God. But here is the good news, verse 22. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless, and beyond reproach. Now we are a new man. Now we are a new person in Christ. Now we have been called to be holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now we have been called to look different than we did before. And one of those ways that at least the first century church was to look different is that Jews and Gentiles would now all be in the body of Christ. (laughs) A person maybe that was a Jew that sees this Gentile that has become a Christian and maybe formerly he was his enemy. And maybe that Jew spoke, uh, spoke against that particular Gentile and maybe he wouldn't even speak to that Gentile and considered him to be a second-class citizen, if, if that much. But now they have been joined together in Christ. They have been reconciled to one another and they have both been reconciled to God. All of us who are Christians this morning need to remember that when we became a Christian, we became one with Christ. We were united and joined with Him, but we also became one, I believe, with those who are people of God. Thirdly, we need to remember if we have forgotten that we all now have access to the Father. Continuing here in verses 17 and 18, The apostle says to us, And he came, talking about Christ, and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, through Jesus Christ, he says, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. 
as Paul has already described Jesus as being our peace, and as our peace, he says that Jesus came to this earth, and we could pick out a lot of mission statements, I think, from the Gospels as to why Jesus came, and if it's something that is found in Scripture, that certainly is something good for us to say. But as our peace, Jesus came to this earth and he preached peace. And Paul is saying to this group of Gentiles and to Jews in this church and to us that Jesus, when he came to earth, he preached peace to all people who would hear, both those who were far away, those who were Gentiles, but also to those who were near, those who were Jews. They all needed the same message. They all needed the same redemption from sin. They all needed the same reconciliation to God. However, the message of peace that Jesus preached, I would suggest to you, is not a message primarily of physical peace. Even between Jew and Gentile, as we could spend a lot of time this morning uh, thinking and looking back historically at all of the animosity and all of the conflict and strife and war that existed for centuries between Jews and Gentiles, Jesus didn't come primarily just to make physical peace between those two groups of people. But his message of peace was first and foremost, I believe, a message of spiritual peace and a message of unity with God. Jesus is our peace because he gives all of us access to God. If we are in the body of Christ, we all have access to our Father the unity and the oneness that exists within the Godhead, as Paul may even be trying to stress here in verse 18, that through Christ, Jew and Gentile, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. That he's drawing here in this one short verse, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is all working with us in our salvation, and there certainly is unity within the Godhead itself. But that same unity, that same oneness that exists within God, it is available, it is accessible to us, His children, in Him or through Him, through Christ Jesus. I think about some things that Jesus, some statements that He made about Himself while He was here on earth in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 10, you might remember Jesus using the analogy or illustration here of Him being the shepherd, the good shepherd, the true shepherd. And the sheep. And he says about that in chapter 10 at verse 7 Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm sure all of us, maybe even some who are young in age here this morning, remember the words of Jesus about himself in John chapter 14 and verse 6 that I, he says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life, that no one comes to the Father but through me or by me. And so we put these two passages together, at least for our purposes this morning, and we see that Jesus being the door and Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, that it is Jesus himself who gives us access not only to his sheep, if we want to come in and be a part of his sheep, be a part of his fold and associate with those who are his sheep, we've got to enter by him. We've got to come through the door. But we are, he is also the only way that we can come to the Father. He is the way, not a way, but He is the way that we can have access to the Father. We all need to remember that when we decided to follow Jesus, that He gave us access to our Heavenly Father in a way that people, I don't believe, did before. 
But fourthly and finally this morning, as we think about some things that we need to be reminded of, as we come back to our text here in Ephesians chapter 2, we, we need to all remember that we are now citizens of God's kingdom. And we are now all a part of God's family. Verse 19 beginning, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Just like those that Paul has already described as he is talking to those who were Gentiles that have now become Christians, just like the Gentiles, all of us once were strangers to God. Not that God didn't know us, we're all made in His image. But, but we did not have a relationship, we did not have a fellowship with God that God desired that we would have. We were once all strangers to God, but we were once all strangers to God's people. We were not counted as a part of His people. But now in Christ, Paul says to us, we are fellow citizens. Those who are Gentiles are now fellow citizens with those who are Jews. And because we are fellow citizens of God's kingdom, we enjoy the rights, but we also enjoy the responsibilities, we enjoy the privileges, we enjoy the blessings that come with being a part of His kingdom. Now we are not just citizens in God's kingdom, but Paul also uses the imagery here of a family. And he says, now we are a part of the family. We're not just a part of a family that is kind of insignificant and doesn't mean anything to God, but we are a part of His family. And as such, we are connected to our Father through our cornerstone, Jesus Christ. But we also have a connection to His apostles and to the prophets Sometimes maybe we don't think about that. I think Reagan uh, really didn't use this passage. And again, I'm kind of glad that he didn't use this passage in his, his lesson. But I, I think he was trying to draw to our minds on Thursday night in that lesson about the church. That we have connections to people who certainly are alive now that are Christians. But even connections to people that, to, to whom or to those people who have passed on that if they died in the Lord as faithful servants of Christ, that they are still counted among God's chosen people. They are a part of those who are saved. Now Paul says here in this text that we are God's dwelling place. And as you read through the New Testament, you find that both individually that we are temples of God, but collectively as God sees His people, His church, that we are His temple. And we are growing, he says, into His holy temple, that this temple has not been finished. That every time a person who is without Christ, just like these Gentiles that he addressed here, every time a person who is separated from Christ is reconciled to God through the cross, the Lord, as it were, is adding another brick to put it in a terminology of 1 Peter chapter 2, that we're living stones. And brick by brick, the building of God is being built. And we are becoming members of God's family. We are added to His people. And God is perfectly fitting him or her into His building, into His household. We all need to remember that when we came to follow Jesus Christ, 
that what that means for us now in practical terms in our life each day is now we are a citizen of God's kingdom. Now we have a great king who is reigning over us who will not lead us astray. He's not going to make laws that are not for our good. He is a perfect king. And now we need to remember that we are a member of God's family, that we have a perfect father who loves us and who will help us to be more like him as time goes by. It can be easy for us to forget even these very important things, to forget these important truths, but I hope I've done to the best of my ability uh, as good of a job as I can of bringing these reminders to us. If you are a child of God this morning, let me just ask you this question. Do you remember the day that you became a Christian? Uh, If it has been... 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or more years ago, you, you may not remember maybe the exact date. <laughs> you may not remember maybe a lot of things pertaining to that circumstance, but I hope you still have that memory in your mind of the day that you became a follower of Christ. I do remember it was in August of 1994 that I made the decision to come and follow Jesus Christ. It was a hot, hot day in Mississippi. <laughs> but it was a wonderful day for me. If you are a child of God, do you remember the joy and the peace that you had on that particular occasion of knowing that you were no longer separated from God? You were no longer without Christ in your life. Now you were one with Christ. Now you had access to your heavenly Father. Do you remember the excitement of knowing that you're now right with God? You're in a right relationship with Him. You have fellowship with Him, but also the excitement of knowing that you're now a part of His family, that you don't have to walk through life alone anymore. You have brothers and sisters in Christ who love you and care for you and will help you as your journey goes on. Well, lest we forget, let us who are God's people this morning remember where we have been. Let us remember where we are now. But let us also, as we press on, remember where we are going. If you have not made the decision to come and follow Jesus Christ this morning, if you're not truly a child of God in the special sense in which the Bible often speaks of it, you don't have those memories, but you can. You you can start that journey this very hour. You can do like our new brother and sister in Christ, Aaron and Miranda, did just a few days ago. You can do uh, like Grayson and and, uh, Lindsay did several months ago. You can put on Christ in baptism this very morning. And I'm confident because Scripture tells us so that when one who is a sinner repents and turns back to the Lord that that God is going to be rejoicing and all of His heavenly hosts are going to be rejoicing. But this audience of God's people here this morning will be rejoicing with you too. Would you not start your journey with Christ this morning? Think about those things and if you need to respond. In any way, if you need to begin your walk with Christ this morning, we would encourage you to do that very thing now as we stand and as we sing.